Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the RPGBot.News. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And also Ash Eli. Well, hail and well met, fellow monster hunters. (laughs) All right. All right, Tyler. What is happening? (laughs) Well, uh, we've got something very exciting today. Tome of Beast 3 is now out on shelves in the wild uh, from our... Our friends at Kobold Press. This is another in their Tome of Beast series, and it's we the are third. It, the the third. Well, if you count Creature Codex, it's technically the fourth, because <laughs> so, they started counting at zero, which uh, is the right way to count. We'll see. They counted at one, and it was like a one B two three situation. But that is neither here nor there. But Tome Beast three, it's great. Yeah, and we're going to talk about it. As always with Kobold Press products, it was funded via Kickstarter. Uh, this is kind of their business model. They'll, you know, get a project most of the way to completion, fund printing on Kickstarter, and people get, you know, access to play tests and um, early access to the content and stuff via Kickstarter. And these generally do phenomenally well because Kobold Press's products are sincerely awesome. Uh, this time they got a little over 9,400 backers, which is like a a dizzyingly large number yeah yeah like people love these products for absolutely good reasons why don't we dive right into the intro like you know i love a good intro in a in an rpg source book because it tells you a lot about like the people who are writing the book and why and what their outlook is on things um and in kind of in the context of D&D in the general tabletop RPG community moving more towards inclusion and away from the like all X or Y idea. They have a really good short two paragraph section in the intro about alignment and creature behavior. And I just want to highlight that real quick. Like the gist of the thing is not every example of a particular creature exhibits behaviors consistent with the creature's listed alignment. So like one of the big gripes a lot of people have had as D&D moves away from the all X or Y thing is that creatures which have historically been antagonists are like no longer strictly antagonistic like this. This makes it clear in very, very little text that like, yeah, these creatures are very frequently this alignment. So like if you meet a devil, it's probably going to be a lawful evil, but there are notable exceptions and you know sometimes those exceptions are interesting because they're so unusual and i feel like that's kind of a less ham-fisted way of handling the issue than we've seen from a lot of official content yeah i agree and it's good that that they're trying to move away from just classifying everybody under the same umbrella we can have more variation yes exactly 
Yeah, there's a there's actually at the front there's this section called Embrace Wonderment, uh, which is you know part of the intro written by Luke Gydax for the book. Uh, Luke Gydax famously runs Gary Kahn in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Also famously the son of Gary Gygax. So th- there's a quote, uh, Tyler, you pulled out. Do you want me to give it a read? Yeah, if you would. Yeah. I posit to you, my fellow role-playing game enthusiast, that preserving or reinvigorating the sense of the unknown, the wonderment felt by your players, will help renew them and propel your game experience to even greater heights. When we encounter something new, we have to focus on it in order to discover and understand it. The result is the players are more present, and dare I say, phones lie forgotten beside them, as they focus on figuring out how to best to resolve the situation you have presented to them. There are many tools available to level up your game, from miniatures and terrain to virtual tabletops and story props, but for me, one of the best techniques to keep players fully engaged is the wonderment of new challenges. Keep them on their toes, and the fun will follow. That was pretty and pretty good. You could have convinced me you were, you were Luke, I guess. Uh, I do. You might need to be like a foot taller, though. Yeah, I'm going to get some stilts down here or something. <laughs> or you could just uh, lower your desk again. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the perception. No, but I mean, this is a real this is a real experience. And I think, I mean, Tyler, you've had this experience with previous Tome of Beast books. Um, I ran a one shot for our group recently where every monster exclusively came out of Totem Beast. Yeah, and I absolutely loved that. Like as a... Oh god, two decade plus D and D player at this point. Like I, I know what everything is. If it's in an official monster manual, I've probably killed it once or twice. Mm-hmm. The novelty of new monsters or like an interpretation of a monster that I've never seen before is absolutely thrilling. And just the uh the variety and depth and like how interesting all of the monsters are in the Tome of Beast supplements, like always impresses me always gets me excited to play and yeah that that sense of encountering something unknown and potentially dangerous is such a thrill in these games and yeah i like luke luke has it absolutely right yeah if if this were a dot podcast episode uh, i would drop back into recalling things we talked about with alex gray and descriptions that you don't have to walk out and say that like this is an ogre you can walk in and you can describe and you can make things feel real and fun that way and give the experience without actually naming the creature uh, but that's not what this episode is this episode we're going to talk about tome of beast three <laughs> so let's get into it I, I think it's worth maybe laying out at a high level kind of what is the book what is the contents uh, well, it's a 400 plus page book with basically nothing in it except monsters and NPCs. Like, uh, think of a creature type, angels, demons, dragons, kobolds, like the uh, new versions of all of them, like tons of new beasts, uh, animals that you've heard of, like hippopotamuses, hippopotami, hippopotamus. Hippop- yeah, Hippop- I, I thought it was funny how they just added a hippopotamus. I'm like, is that not... Well, but it's not somehow. Yeah. And not just the hippopotamus, but the sacred hippopotamus came after. Oh, yes. (laughs) I did see that. I did see that. too. I I will say it again. Like, I think we're going to talk about the OGL sometime soon, SRD sometime soon. But even if there was a hippopotamus in the SRD, like you can't own hippopotamus, right? That's true. You certainly (laughs) can't own the name. Like they if it wasn't in the SRD, they couldn't copy paste the stats, but you can make your own hippopotamus. Like absolutely tigers are in the OGL. I, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's cool stuff in here. Yeah. So do we want to walk around and talk a little bit about some of our favorites that we found? Maybe some things. What do we love? Sure. 
I can go first. So I have two slightly sillier ones and one that's maybe a little bit more serious, but like, I like all three of these monsters really well. So they did a lot of different kobolds, which I like, you know, they did different types of colors, like a Etten kobold, which is beautiful and I love it. There are a bunch of others I can't remember, but wait, say that word again. Etten kobold. It's a kobold Etten. Yeah. It's basically an Etten combined with a kobold. Yeah. It's a a two headed (laughs) giant. And I love it. Yeah, great. Kobolds <laughs> don't get enough love, and the thing that that, that I the kobold type that I really liked was the kobold monster hunter, which is great, and the art that they have for it is mwah, so good. Oh, it's, uh, so good. it's it's a kobold like in a witch hunter jacket and two pistols, looking very serious, and his intelligence is a fourteen, and oh my god, I love it because you know you there's too much. You know, Kobold's really f- silly comic relief characters that are uh, not very smart, let's say. So it's nice that they're breaking the mold a little bit uh, with, like, uh, intelligent, perhaps well-spoken Kobold who hunts monsters, <laughs> a gritty veteran who's seen it all. And I love that. And it's great. And I want to find an excuse to use this in one of my games. <laughs> the other silly one but I love it because it's great, is the Samurai Crab. Yes, the Samurai (laughs) Crab. That is a real monster that exists now, and you can't not unexist it It, because it's great, and I will hear nothing against it. It's supposedly there are rumors that, like, old warriors are were cursed to be put into the body of a crab and the crab <laughs> while it understands common it can't speak common it still knows all the stances of like honorable combat and how to like actually approach a duel and it will often like bow to people when it wants to duel them and then pull out its samurai swords which either they find they either find them or they're born with them it's not really clear um and they will they refuse to kill their opponent regardless of the outcome unless someone tries to steal their sword from them then they will fight to death this is amazing and i love it and i want more silly monsters like this because it's just so creative and weird and i love it um but for a more serious one i really liked the concept of the god slayer it is a giant construct built by an old civilization to kill the gods essentially and it's a cr30 which is oh. crazy yes cr30 um it's gotta gotta have to be if it's killing gods that's fair and it has a stipulation like it's it's attacks ignore any resistance or immunity that a creature would have. So if it has immunity, it instead would have resistance against it. And if it re- and its attacks do affect immortal beings, if its attacks reduce that immortal being to zero hit points, that being's essence is trapped inside the construct, so it cannot reform. And I really like this, because you don't see a lot of stuff like this, which could be a really cool story hook and in fact they give you some ideas like they give some suggestions as to what you could use it for like maybe it's a plot MacGuffin uh that you need to stop a god of evil that's ascended or maybe 
you accidentally rebuild it and it's being set on this god this uh old god that's trying to you know reclaim their old pantheon and you have to stop it before it kills the budding new god just some really cool ideas plus the idea of like there's a lot you can dig with the civilization that built this thing and why they built it um yeah i just think it's a really cool monster is it large enough that i could use it as a spell jammer <laughs> it's a huge creature so maybe uh, it's like elephant size so like it, a it would uh, be a it would be a small ship like i i you could probably like build something on its back or something okay can i <laughs> climb inside it and drive it like a mech that would be dope and i would say yes yes <laughs> um I, it's it's your creature you can do with it what you want um but I, I i really do like this um as someone who plays a lot with sort of like the animosity between mortals and gods uh it's something that i might use in the future because yeah i've always liked the conflict between mortals and gods and how gods are oftentimes more of a hindrance to humanity than they are a help something like an ultimate weapon. I could see me using it more as a plot device rather than like an actual creature you fight because it's, again, it's a CR 30. If you're yeah. fighting this thing, you're, <laughs> you're either going to lose or you're level 20. So it's like you, you sit down at the table for that session. It's like, is everybody ready to die? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Shame. Shame. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's a brutal monster. Uh, I would not want to fight this thing is all I will say. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you've got to at least be like Sierra two by now or level two by now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is it easier or harder to kill than the Tarask? Well, let's see. Um, I can read you some of its features real quick. Uh, uh, where is it? The answer is harder. It's always yeah, harder. <laughs> yeah. It, let's see. It's got an energy glaive. It can do. Let's see, it does Sold. one ar- arcane lexicon, then it makes three energy glaive attacks or rune discus attacks. The energy glaive does 48 damage average. Rune discus does 41, and if you fail a 20, DC 25 wisdom saving throw, uh, spells and magical effects are suppressed on the target, and you can't cast spells for one minute. Whoa, a minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A minute. And the well, arcane, all right. But the my arcane, casters... Yeah. yeah, you're just you're just you're just out of luck for one minute. You do, oh, you can you can repeat the save. My bad. You can repeat the okay. save. Okay. Still, but yeah, that's pretty brutal. <laughs> uh, it also has an arcane lexicon, which is like a book of glyphs that uh, it can choose like three creatures and choose different options. So there's the death glyph, which you know does um, does some damage. It doesn't actually kill you, which is weird. Uh, but uh, then there's Glyph of Despair, which causes you to be. Uh, it just has it gives you disadvantage. There's a bunch of different glyphs that you can use. It also has bonus actions and reactions. Parry spell, which is an interesting reaction. Basically, the Godslayer succeeds on a saving throw against a spell of eight, if the Godslayer succeeds on a spell saving throw against a spell level of eighth level or lower. That targets only the God Slayer. The spell has no effect. If the God Slayer succeeds on the saving throw by five or more, the spell is reflected back at the spell oh, using oh, the slot level, spell save DC, attack bonus, and spell casting ability of the caster. Yeah, and it also okay, has yeah. legendary actions in case you didn't think it was good enough. And one <laughs> of its actions terrifying. is it can re- repair itself for 10d12 oh, HP. 
or an average of 65. I think you're going to need a party of gods to kill this thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's made to kill gods. So yeah. it makes sense. Um, if anything, like just cast friendship on that thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Is it susceptible yeah. to being charmed? And the That'll art they work, have, right? Yeah. And the art they have for it is great. I love it. And it's it's just the art in this book is just really cool. Yeah. No. Cold Press always nails the art. Yeah. Yeah. Use the God Slayer in your next uh, epic level campaign. Yeah. Use it to end your next epic level campaign. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> cool. All right. Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org. Tyler, what did you see that you liked? Oh, so many things. Um, like, I love that there's a good mix of, like, serious monsters and scary monsters and, like, goofy, silly monsters. Like, there's a, there's, like, an astral possum thing. It's called the astral supial. The art is hilarious. Uh, if you decide to get the digital copy of this, uh, all of the art in the book has alt text on it. So if you open it, open it in your PDF reader, mouse over the art, there's good alt text that very frequently has jokes like for the astral supial. Hang on, I'm going to I'm going to pull up my nice PDF, read some words at you. An angry possum postures on its hind legs, digging through a cluttered tummy pouch with one paw and menacing with a boot in the other. How many times have you been menaced by, with a boot by a marsupial? Probably never. Nope. <laughs> I can't say that's a thing I've ever experienced. <laughs> um, there's also a like group of creatures called dragonettes, which are like itty bitty dragons uh, or dragon kin, I guess. There's one of them that barnyard dragonette. It basically moves into your farm. It can speak common. So it's like, hey, uh, I will live on your farm and keep animals from eating your livestock. If you let me lay eggs in your animal's poop. Gross. Little weird. <laughs> Little bit. You can have them as familiars for some reason. Love that. Love that. <laughs> and then there's like three varieties of bird humanoids. So if you've gotten tired of Aarakocra, there's like an ostrich one and a gull one. And I think there's a crane one. I'm forgetting the name. I am personally not a huge fan of seagulls, so I was not super thrilled about the gull folk, but <laughs> mechanically they're neat. Uh, do you have a phobia of seagulls? Not a phobia. I just intensely dislike them. Yeah. It's, it's not a phobia. It's a hatred. Yeah. They're, there you they're go. different. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will say the art that they have for the gullkin is not doing it any favors. <laughs> no. It's like a flying humanoid bird, like it, screaming through the. Yeah, I mean, have you ever seen a seagull not screaming yeah. when they're stealing mine, my French fries? Mine, 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 mine. <laughs> the worst <laughs> birds. <laughs> yeah, seagulls, man. Yeah. All right, Randall, what are your favorites? <laughs> seagulls. You can't kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of follow Ash's uh, line through this. So I'm gonna start with the silly and move to the awesome. Uh, my favorite silly thing here was the hinderling. What if a fake creature cursed you to be haunted by the old man from up? Oh my God. I love it. I love it so much. No, so it's this like short little old man thing called a hinderling. A uh, fake creature such as a hag will curse you with it. Uh, and then that thing will steal from you and make rude noises at you. If you kill it, <laughs> it appears the next day. 
Oh no. Oh no. So the only way to get rid of this thing is to bribe it by something of small value, such as a beer or a couple coins, and it'll go away. You can also tell it about someone you really hate, and then it'll go bug that person. I love it. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um, or uh, if you want to use magic, if you really want to use magic to get rid of this thing, you can technically get rid of it with wish. Uh, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> Like wish or bribe it with a beer. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you'll notice a theme. I feel like this is a fun little plot hook. Like this could be the basement rats of the story of your next adventure where, yeah, the hinterling isn't really that important. How it got there was that important. But this is what you're called for. And then along the way, you stumbled upon something amazing and awesome. And you went on an adventure. <laughs> uh, another like cool, it. another cool creature thematically, the life broker. Uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. So you can give it life and it'll give you things of value. Um, it it can know exactly how much life you have left in your natural life. So, you know, not that somebody's going to kill you, but if you live to the end of your days, how long do you have? And you're like, sure, let's take five years off that. And then it'll give you something of value in return. You know, it, it gives example of like somebody might actually give their remaining life in order to do something to help a loved one. If you're rich... Uh, and, and the mechanism for this is it drains your life and it puts it in a little potion flask. If you're rich, you can give it money and valuables and it will give you a potion flask. You drink it, you gain that much life. But the life broker has to give that vial to you willingly. Ah, so you can't mug this guy for eternal life? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. But your characters don't have to know that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I feel like you could have some fun with this. And in, in my mind, kind of the, the coolest thing that I saw that I'm like, okay, I want to run a campaign with this. And for a little bit of backstory, one of the first like homebrew adventures I wrote was a, a essentially a zombie campaign that lasted on the order of like six months or so. The problem was by the fourth or fifth session, I realized these zombies are boring and we have to do something different now. <laughs> Uh, so I'll say, and, and I think most of the Tome of Beast books, if my memory serves me, add some more zombies. Uh, in this book, there are several more zombies added. So if you were trying to do something like that, you have a lot of options available to you that aren't as boring as like a zombie or an ogre zombie. Um, there's a little bit more flavor here. There's a new demon that I love. Uh, it is Vitala. Vitala is essentially the Diablo 2 necromancer. Yeah. Okay, so it sun, summons golems. Besides that, and oh. also besides a few other things too. But l let me tell you what it does okay. do. Uh, one, it has this cool ability called Corpse Stride, which again, thematically is like just awesome to me. Mechanically, it's awesome too. So, multiple. Uh, okay, imagine there are either multiple corpses or undead creatures. So skeletons, animated zombies, anything like this, on the battlefield. I can use ten foot of motion to step into one corpse or undead creature and then step out of another corpse or undead creature within 60 foot of the original. Interesting. So battlefield littered with dead. Let's say it's like post battle and then Vitala comes out, right? Hmm. Uh, I can practically teleport around the map. I can raise undead under my control and have them attack. I can have them attack as a reaction using my bonus action. And if any undead under my control hit zero HP, I can cause them to explode as a, as a reaction for me. That is terrifying. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Throwing this out on a battlefield littered with existing bodies. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a fight. <laughs> Behold all my fuel. 
so it's a challenge rating eight uh, demon. I feel like if you really gave it, because it still, you know, it still has to rely on the action economy, so it can only raise so many undead. It does have a cap; it can only have twenty uh, twenty zombies or skeletons under its control at once. So, you know, I feel like that's a strong limit. Oh, you know, o- o- only twenty. Yeah. Only twenty. Only twenty. They're um, zombies, man. <laughs> They're yeah. what? Sierra quarter. Just walk your cleric in there; it'll be fine. Except oh, for the cleric's dead. If yeah. if if they hit zero then I just get to explode them at you. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's going to be great. Actually, okay. Uh, I, I hate to admit on, on, on air as we record that I don't remember the answer to this. Is the, is the wording of the zombie that it, it hits zero, you roll the die, and if it saves, it returns to one? Or is it instead reduced to one? I believe it's instead. Uh, I believe it's. Yeah, I believe so. So so if the if the zombies succeeded on their uh zombie save, zombie throw yeah. yeah on their zombie saving throw if they succeeded on that I imagine you wouldn't be able to use the explodey thing but hey skeletons don't have that nice yeah see this is great I'm so excited <laughs> yeah. we also have uh vulnerability to bludgeoning damage just throw it at the guy who's using like a club be like yeah I'm smarter than you <laughs> screw you oh god skeleton <laughs> <laughs> just exploded in my face the only downside yes. to that though is that you only get to do it once per turn because it's a reaction so if your minions are going down like flies it's not going to do too much for you well good tactical advice for players there <laughs> yeah get rid of the minions as quickly as possible <laughs> so you know what is actually in here uh, there are some player options sort of this isn't really explored a lot in official material, but there are options in the monster manual for creatures that can become your familiar. So like the pseudo dragon, I believe the abyssal chicken, which was introduced in Descent into Avernus. Like there are a handful of low CR creatures that are listed as potential familiar options, but it's always like, you know, with DM permission, because these are a little a little crazier than like a cat. Much like the pseudo dragon, these ones give you some cool benefits. Um, there are a couple in here that give you perpetual magic resistance if you're within 10 feet of your familiar. There's one that gives you uh, keen senses, so you just have per- perpetual advantage on perception checks. So, like, these are cool benefits. And as a DM, like, I would probably give these in place of magic item or something. And sometimes it's just cool to have a familiar that's more interesting than yet another owl. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't Harry Potter. <laughs> and of course, since we got a bunch of new beasts, that means if you're playing a druid, you suddenly have a bunch of cool new options. Now the beasts in here are generally going to be more complex than what's in the monster manual. Like monster manual beasts are generally like it, they have move speed and hit points and attacks. They might have pack tactics, they might have keen senses. There's some cool stuff in here, like there's things that stretch the definition of beast a bit and then we mentioned it earlier there's a hippopotamus it has what is effectively a breath weapon yeah they are all cool but uh as a dm i would i would definitely look at these beforehand before you say like yeah it's fine wild shape go nuts otherwise a circle of the moon is going to get even crazier yeah i'm looking at the grolar bear and imagining how that would go because what are (laughs) what are the limits for what I might choose as a beast. It's basically by level based on druid level, right? Yeah, by CR based on druid level. I think regular druids max out at like CR two. So 
generally you're not going to do any fighting um it's mostly for utility like i need to fly over there or like i need to sneak in as a rat or something like that but circle of the moon i think they max out at like cr6 i'm forgetting uh so yeah there's some cool stuff you can fit into that range Mm -hmm. nice like a gruller bear like a gruller bear (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty sure those are real thing right like grizzly bears and polar bears they're they're con specific so they they yeah uh, yeah terrifying (laughs) (laughs) yeah you can really do some wacky stuff with these new beasts (laughs) i look forward to players using this against me (laughs) all right (laughs) i I hope it doesn't completely destroy your game ash that's fine um (laughs) colby uh i know uh as soon as um what was it uh wild mount released they're playing a moon druid and so in Icewind Dale, they they uh, became a more bounder, which is awesome. <laughs> cool. <laughs> For yeah. folks at home, what advantage did that give? Um, basically, they didn't need to get any sort of travel like thing to pull their sleigh through the through the snow because it could go faster than literally any other beast that was available in Icewind Dale. Oh wow! Um, and it's. <laughs> Damage is very high, so yeah, it's like just all around a really good creature specifically for that game. Yeah, hard to complain about that. <laughs> well, hard to complain about that as a player. Yeah, as a player, for <laughs> sure. Nice. So uh, one of the other things that we get is an appendix on creating NPCs. Um, so we get a bunch of custom race options with ability modifiers and like distinct features about that. So, you know, we mentioned before, we have the Gulkin, we have Hairfolk, we have Lemurfolk, Phoenixborn, Otterfolk, you know, all of all of these races give you some ability modifier, some features to go with it. And then what you could think of as types. So, you know, Apostle, Atavist, a field commander, you can go through and basically extract NPCs and then have stats to go with them fairly quickly. So you can go to this, you can pick a race, you can grab one of these NPCs, you can put something together uh, to add a little bit more life to your adventure and not worry about, you know, I really want to add this cool NPC, but if they start fighting it, I'm going to have to go find a stat sheet. There's a lot more options available to you, the GM or DM. Yeah, I like that. There's a there's a similar table in the Dungeon Master's Guide that's like not super detailed and it has never been updated so like any any non-core race is basically just not covered so if you want to have like a gif npc and you want to use one of the existing stat blocks that doesn't start with the name gif then uh, you're kind of just out of luck good luck so yeah more options here absolutely fantastic yeah agreed so published alongside toma beast 3 that's right we're uh we're reviewing two things tonight, kind of. Uh, published alongside Tome Beast 3 is Tome Beast 3 Layers. So Kobold Press has done this before with Tome Beast 1 and 2, where they publish a separate book that is layers of the creatures in the book. So these are effectively like one-shot adventures using new monsters introduced in this book. So um, in Layers 3, or sorry, Tome of Beast 3 Layers, we get... 23 one shots they're designed to be run in like one to two sessions they're pretty cool honestly like i i read through probably 10 of them today they run from levels one to 12 they're they're very easy to just use as a pickup game 
the creatures are cool. The stories are built around the creatures. So the theming is really neat. There's a good mix of like goofy adventures and serious adventures. And like, there's a little bit of horror in a couple of them. Um, the very first adventure in the book starts off with what is effectively a murder mystery, but sheep. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it, if you're really excited about Tome Beast three and you're not exactly sure how to bring it into your game, like this is a great addition, pick it up and you'll, you know, next time you need to run a game on the fly and just, yeah, crack it open, pick a level, throw down some pre-gen characters and you're good to go. All right, cool. So we will have a link in the show notes. So if folks want to go pick up Toma Beast 3 or Toma Beast 3 Layers, you'll be able to do that. Uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed it. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick, free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You'll find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links for Sourcebooks and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on RPGBot.net. Following these links helps us to make this show happen every week. I'm still very excited about the astral soup peel. <laughs> astral soup. I mean, the the people on Co- uh, uh, the people who work for Cobalt Press are some of the most creative people I've ever seen. Yeah, like they have some really out there stuff. It's great. <laughs> oh, man, like I I really want to have this book on my shelf, but I feel like I'm going to miss out on all the alt text because a lot of it's really good. An, an anthropomorphic ostrich in scale mail and leather barding swings a double-headed axe, kicking up dust from its powerful legs as it runs. You can't get that from paper. I mean, they could just... I guess they could just write it in the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they could. <laughs> well, that was, uh, that was good. <laughs> good job, team. Vacation starts with VA. Whether you're feeling beachy, mountainy, or every E in between, you'll find all that you love all in one trip to Virginia. Start yours at virginia.org.